Episode 67 of the Master Your Money podcast. I'm here with my guy, Ryan Greiser. And today, uh, we got a new segment that we're excited about. We're going to be doing one of these a month. Uh, very often, we will get uh, you know messages, texts from people with uh, some viral finance clips yeah. going around. Um, some good, some bad. So, uh, you know, this new segment we're going to be doing, we're going to be playing some of these viral clips, uh, providing, you know, our thoughts on them, and then uh, just some things you need to be aware of. There are some, uh, there's some great content creators out there putting no out a lot of great stuff. There's some uh, people out there pushing out a lot of garbage. So we're going to, we're going to give you the, the nitty and gritty and everything you need to know about what's real and uh, what's not. And today we got two garbage <laughs> yeah, clips for us to, uh, to talk about it. And, and first up, we got our man, Dave Ramsey and, and Dave does provide a lot of great sound financial advice, but also some stuff that we don't necessarily agree with or aligns with how we actually do planning in the real world. It's one thing to pontificate it out on a radio show and out into the ether, but when it actually comes to practicality and implementation and sustainability, some of this stuff doesn't always work out. And in fact, it's completely contrary to what uh, you know, all the financial professionals that I know, at least, advice that we give. So we're, we're going to play this first, first clip, uh, and Dave is specifically talking about how it's not really that hard to beat the S&P 500. And for those of you that are not aware, the S&P 500 is the largest 500 companies in the United States. So you can think Apple, Google, NVIDIA, Facebook, United Healthcare, all those sorts of companies. So let's go ahead and play the clip and, uh, and I'll share a few of my thoughts. And over the last 30 years, my little portfolio of that has averaged over 12, most years over 13%. Wow, Dave, that's and, great. But I mean, it's, it's not really hard to beat the S&P. The S&P is the average of the market. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what that's do you true. want to beat? All right. So I got three qualms that I'm going to talk about here when it comes yeah. to this. The first one is that Dave has never, to my knowledge, actually specified what funds he's actually invested in, right? Yeah. Nor has he shown any proof that he his portfolio has averaged 12 to 13 percent and like what time period is that over so that, that's that's my first problem right we don't know what he's actually invested in what time period we're talking about 12 to 13 percent is what he's done it's not that hard right yeah. second piece is that how do you actually know what advice he's even providing and he's not giving advice so yeah. if you try to find out what fund does it actually go into on his website you actually land on the smart investor pro website which is his website where he provides leads to advisors like us saying, hey, these people want to invest. You go talk to these advisors. We don't give investment advice, but we got advisors that do. But what he doesn't really disclose on there, unless you read the fine print, is that advisors like us have to pay 10 grand per year per advisor just to get names from him. Yep. So this is his funnel, right? Say something like this, put people out, get them to a landing page, connect them with an advisor. Advisor pays 10 grand a year, at least it was for us per advisor when we looked into this to uh, say, hey, here's how you can go. All right. Point number one. Point number two is that investment managers, the largest corporations you can think about, do not beat the S&P 500. In a one-year time frame, only half of investment managers beat it. Over a five-year time frame, 13% of the managers beat the S&P 500. And over 10 years, only 9% of investment managers beat the S&P 500. And we're talking about the smartest, brightest people around the world that are spending 60 hours a week trying to do this around the clock, and only 9% do it successfully. And last piece here is Dave says his return is easily beats his 12 and 13% return of the S&P 500 every year. Well, if we do go back 
back to 2010, the S&P 500 has averaged 13.87%. So even if we're looking at the time frame over the last call 13 years, his return is equal to the S&P 500 is not dramatically and easily beating it like he talks about. Yeah. And my initial thought is Dave is a very, um, agro against risk is I guess the word I would say he's extremely conservative by nature so I don't know what mutual funds he's talking about as you as you were talking about but just knowing how he's preaching if he's preaching a 60 40 mutual fund that is less risk and still outperforms the S&P please let me know because I will send you all of my money and all of our clients money if you can prove (laughs) that that is a, a legitimate thing but you know I think we're on the same page as far as um it does not seem likely uh, I think there's a bit of fabrication in there, and maybe it was going for clicks. Maybe Dave's just getting old, but um, it certainly <laughs> certainly caused the, easy on the young fella. <laughs> certainly caused specifically the advisor community to be up in an uproar. No doubt. when he was uh, preaching this, right? And listen, we have access to about what like thirteen different thousand investment options on our, our platform, from rankings to ratings to returns, like you name it, all the due diligence that you could possibly imagine. Um, I can't find what he's talking about (laughs) on a consistent, low-risk basis to get those types of returns. Well, let's not even take away from the fact that, you know, whatever he's talking about, he's talking about mutual funds. So there's going to be probably some sort of management fee associated, some sort of uh, expense ratios, which we know mutual funds typically have higher expense ratios. So, you know, even if the claim is out there of what his, you know, returns is, is even remotely true. And we hope you're right, Dave. Yeah, there's probably, you are getting there's that. probably roughly, you know, two, two and a half percent coming off the top from, you know, mutual fund expenses and, you know, management fees on top of that. Um, so I find it very unlikely that he is uh, beating the S&P on an annual basis uh, through a mutual fund. If so, I'd love to see which one it is, because I feel like that would be widely public knowledge if there was a specific mutual fund that was outperforming the S&P each and every single year. I feel like every person in America would know what that is. Yeah. And now listen, on the positive side, he is encouraging people to invest their money, right? And do it and not use these weird abstract things or flipping houses is easy and investing in crypto is easy. You know, he he is talking about mutual funds and and trying to promote that. However, um, you know, some of the stuff that he's saying here is is unfounded for that. Yeah, and, you know, we're, we're big proponents of Dave in a way is that, you know, at the end of the day, his entire life's been devoted to financial literacy, yep. which is obviously something that's very important to us. But, um, you know, everyone just has different opinions on it. At the end of the day, guy's done a great thing for a lot of people. He teaches a lot of great financial education to people. Uh, but at the same time, we need to be realistic in, uh, you know, being honest with people that it's a, it's a, it's easy to beat the S&P 500. That's a ridiculous statement that we are putting the, uh, the BS stamp on. No doubt. <laughs> All right, next up. Speaking of uh, flipping houses is easy, we're wow. going to get to your boy. My guy. Ryan's I favorite. Can't stand this guy. So this guy's name is Chris Crone, I believe is how his name is uh, pronounced. And, you know, he's one of these Instagram gurus who, you know, claims he's got a million rental properties, making him a gazillion dollars, and he's going to teach you his system of you know, how to do the same thing. And, you know, in, in one year of his, of his course, you're going to do, you're going to be a gazillionaire as well. So, uh, this guy is very popular for, for saying some outlandish things in the financial space. A lot of, uh, you know, tax CPAs, people like that tend to get annoyed with him because he's always claiming, yeah, anyone could buy a jet and you just write it off, like stuff like that nature. So, uh, we got a clip from him today that we're going to dive into on, um, a few things that you need to be aware of regarding life insurance. 
You put your money in a bank. You know what the bank gives you is gratitude? They give you like 0.0 nothing percent return on your money. Instead, I put my money in a whole life policy. I'm talking about a strange, bizarre type of life insurance. Let me tell you what I call it. It's called high cash value policy. This is money where you put it in and you can almost immediately take almost all of it right back out, just like a bank. But guess what happens when I put money in this special savings account? Number one, I don't earn 0.0 nothing percent, I earn 4%, but then I also get a one to 3% dividend. Number three, it grows tax free. Number four, I can borrow that money at plus or minus 1% basically for free and all I'm doing is paying the policy back. And then number five, if I die, any of the assets I bought, they get paid off because I have a death benefit. All right, so few quick points on whole life policies that I just want to make sure everyone is well aware of because there are plenty of other gurus like him out there talking about this stuff. Number one, whole life policy. It is not a special savings account as is advertised here. Very rarely can these whole life policies actually be used in the way that he's referring. You would need to dump in tons and tons of money in order to be your own bank, which is the other phrase these people tend to use. Um, And that's obviously what he's alluding to here. At the end of the day, it's still life insurance. It is a risk mitigation tool that can be leveraged in a certain way to, you know, pull funds out to, you know, allocate towards other areas. But at the end of the day, that is still just a loan from the insurer, which is still being collateralized against your own policy. There is obviously a time and place in certain people's financial plans where, you know, a whole life policy can make sense. But even then, it is not this magic miracle worker that he is making it out to be. Now, what I want to dive into a bit is actually what he's talking about, and I want to show you like a real example here. So what he's referring to is just a paid-up policy, where basically in the beginning of the policy, you dump in a ton of money, uh, and what it does is it gives you a higher cash value early on than a traditional whole life policy. But the reality for most people is most people do not have a gigantic lump sum of money that they have the ability to dump into a, you know, a high cash value policy like this. So let's look at some numbers for a regular whole life policy. Let's say a 45-year-old male is in the best possible health conditions, meaning insurance is going to be as cheap as humanly possible because the older and unhealthier we get, the more of a risk you are to the insurance companies. So best possible health, 45 years old, if you just had a $500,000 death benefit, premium on this is going to be $10,000 a year. So quick flashback, one of the things he's talking about is the cash value, how that's growing, how it's a quote unquote savings account, getting you your 4% a year plus your dividend. So after 10 years of this policy, you've dumped a hundred grand in the guaranteed cash value. So we're going to talk about a guaranteed cash value. And then there's a non-guaranteed portion, which we'll get to later. The guaranteed cash value after 10 years, $69,000. So after 10 years of this, you're only guaranteed to get $69,000 of your hundred grand back. It's a negative 31% return on your money. Solid. After 20%, you after 20 years, you've dumped 200 grand into this policy. Guaranteed cash value, 169 grand. So after 20 years, you're still not even breaking even. After 30 years, $300,000 into this policy, and you were only guaranteed $276,000. So 30 years into this special savings account, and you still are not guaranteed to get your full money back. Now, 
not only is it not a special savings tool, as we discussed, you are also losing money to inflation at this time. So we won't even get into that argument. But just for sake of base yeah. numbers, we're not even making out on that. There is also a non-guaranteed cash value portion, which is basically what happens is if one of these you know individuals comes to you looking to sell you a whole life policy, they'll show you the guaranteed va- cash value and then the non-guaranteed, which is basically what they're saying, hey, in a really good case of you know scenarios, market returns, here's what it could look like. Yep. So what are they usually showing you? They're usually showing you the best possible scenario. In the best possible scenario on this illustration that we're taking a look at here, your 300 grand amounts to $385,000. That is a 28% return on your money after 30 years. For reference, the 28% stock- total. Total, total, yes. Right. For reference, the S&P 500 is up 900% over the past 30 years, right? So let's just say that same 45-year-old took that $10,000 each and every year and invested it into the S&P 500. Let's just say he didn't even get what the last 30 years of S&P 500 returns for. Let's just say he got a conservative 6%. After 30 years, that same 300 grand you invested would be $875,000. Now, I'm not saying it has to be one or the other. You don't have to just be you know, go all in with a whole life policy or all in you know, with investing. Sometimes there's a healthy mix of insurance and investing that can make sense. But oftentimes, investing, keeping the cash you need in a high-yield savings account, and just having a simple term policy, more often than not, can be the most efficient route for people. And very rarely, not not always, but very rarely does these massive whole life policies make sense for people. Yeah, if you have an estate issue, you got worth $22 million or more as yep. a household, 11 million as an individual, or you really just want to leave a legacy to a portion of your family, a permanent whole life type policy is awesome. Yep. However, huge red flag when when you got an insurance individual saying uh, infinite banking, banking for yourself, uh, all the upside, none of the downside, and all these types of terms where they're like, they're not talking about the life insurance as a life insurance policy, yep. red flag, red flag all day long, yep. right? This is not an efficient tool. Because listen, the, the insurance company is going to make a killing on this. And we've seen and reviewed tens, hundreds of these types of policies, and rarely do they perform as illustrated, yep. and also rarely do they actually work as originally pitched for them in actual practice, in retirement, in self-banking, in all this other stuff that's there. So insurance, in our opinion, is there to protect your family and to pay estate taxes and use it for the things that is designed for insurance. Yep, It's not a bank. It shouldn't be viewed as your sole investment strategy to get to retirement. So if someone starts pitching that, infinite banking and the other things that are here, huge red flags. Now, with that said, what I will give kudos to to the guy that I dislike quite a lot and the advice that he gives is like, hey, listen, like the bank is giving you nothing. And they're getting much more today with the higher interest rates than they were previously. You know, but listen, the bank is just taking your money and investing it. Yep. And then keeping some cash reserves to give it back to you. So, like, I do agree with that part of what he said. Yep. Is that, hey, listen, the bank's giving you nothing. You should be doing something more with it. However, in my opinion, whole life should not be the first thing that you explore. Yeah. There's a lot of other great options before you get to that, which is probably just about at the end of the road. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was going to be my, my last point on it was going to be, you know, the things he's saying are not – awful if you are an extremely wealthy individual 
who is 55, 60 years old and starting to worry about their estate planning issues. But are those people scrolling through Instagram reels? No. Nah. The, the people scrolling through Instagram reels are 25, 35, 40-year-olds. And most of these, this advice that he is giving in this does not apply and is not the optimal situation yeah. for their financial needs. Yeah. And, and now, and building on this too and seeing some of his other content, you know what's coming next, right? Hey, put your, all your money in this whole life policy, build this uh, bank for yourself, and now you can take a loan out like you talked about and invest in my real estate program to build infinite wealth and blah, 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 blah. Right, yep. so let's take it with a grain of salt. Um, Maybe worse for some people. Apparently it does based on what he's advertising and putting out there. In our experience, it's probably a rare case. Yep. All right. With that, if there is any new uh, financial videos that you want to hear our thoughts or opinions out, feel free to text them to us, send them to our, uh, our message. We're going to be... Uh, we're going to be excited about this one. We're excited that, uh, you know, some of the messages we get sometimes we laugh about, but it'll be fun to be able to post our reactions here so people know exactly, uh, you know, what we think is real, what we think is BS, and, you know, what you need to be aware of. Yeah, and we'll have some positive ones, ones that we actually agree with weird next time as well. Maybe, maybe. We like maybe. to rant a bit. Yeah, but I know. Like yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have some, we'll some positive ones. <laughs> All right, now. Thanks, guys.